You're listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Henry Tetley. I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today I'm your host. Okay, welcome guys. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange. Uh, it's really great to have you all here today for the, the discussion. Um, so today we're going to be talking about balancing legacy systems and technological advancement. Um, so we've got a, a great panel today with us. Um, so if we, we get into the, the intros, Sean, would you like to kick us off? Yeah. Hey guys, you know, my is Sean. So uh, right now I work as a head of engineer at Hatch. Hatch is kind of in a, a job marketplace. So I think you guys may know it, or it may, that's not the first time that I heard about the name. And we are always still a startup, uh, even we have already been there for a couple of years, and we are quite area stage startup. And before you know, I moved to Hatch, you know, I worked for uh, like Wolves for five years and worked as you know API Actpack or like Tech Lead, and on multiple kind of uh, uh, big project that is also include you know to get rid of you know uh, legacy systems by uh, introducing new like innovations. Yeah, and yeah, so. My first question is, you know, uh, we all know, oh, you know. One second, sorry, Sean. We'll yeah. um, we'll just go around oh, and, and introduce yeah. each other. All good. We'll edit that bit out. <laughs> um, so we Oz, over to you. Hey. Uh, so thanks, Henry. Um, I'm Oz, the head of engineering at uh, Container Exchange Services, um, and uh, we we run the. Um, Container deposit schemes um, in in a couple of states at the moment. Uh, that's being Queensland and Western Australia. And depending on when this uh, podcast goes live, uh, we'll be running the Victorian scheme as well with um, in in Victoria. So we have ambitions to to go straight wide. So hopefully, um, you know, we, we over the next year uh, we expand our footprint around Australia and then move on to the world. Awesome. Cheers, us. And Mike, over to yourself. Yeah, uh, thanks, Henry. Uh, so I'm Mike Wyatt. I'm the head of technology at the uh, the Altex Group, uh, which is a private lender uh, under the Asset Line brand, and also an investment house under the Altex brand. Um, my my history also includes uh, a long history as a software developer. Um, I was in telecoms, defence, SaaS systems, various online things throughout the years, uh, but now I've landed in finance. It's where I find myself now. Awesome. Cheers, Mike. And last but not least, Joe, over to yourself. Hey, guys, I'm Joe. Um, I'm an engineering manager at Orange, uh, which is a startup. And I've been uh, in that company for about like uh, four years now. Just a brief spiel about Forage. It's, it's an online like learning platform that serves you know, early talent needs for you know, both an early like employer and consumer. Um, you know, we have students and, and we provide a way for them to upskill themselves as they enter the workforce and um, across the world. Um, my background is uh, in computer science and I've been uh, very passionate just about like problem solving, you know, software development and programming since my uni days. And, you know, I just really love to continue learning more about the field. No, great to have you here. And um, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. I'm really looking forward to, to hearing um, all your words of wisdom and your insights. So uh, let's um, let's get into the the first question. So, Sean, you wanted to to speak about identifying legacy systems. So, what how do you define what a what constitutes a legacy system, and what's the criteria or signals that indicate that it's time for a legacy system to be reevaluated or replaced? Yeah, I think you know uh, we talk about you know we need to get rid of you know kind of uh, uh, legacy systems. But first of all, you know. What is definition of a legacy systems, right? I think this might be a case by case, you know, to different business. So uh, for some technology company, they might be uh, more tech driven. So if the system is no longer kind of, uh, is, for example, underperforming, or they cannot uh, meet uh, the kind of modern standard, so they would, they would define this like legacy. It's probably need to time to it's time to uh, get get it replaced. But it's for more business, especially for corporate, as you guys may have experienced, you know, if you work for corporate, you work for banking, like the four banks, you know, they have many kind of legacy systems and they have systems that are running smoothly stable for decades. 
like especially for banking, right? It's really old but reliable. So yeah, so that's why you know uh, for different business, the definition might be different. So I think yeah, first of all, you know, uh, how do you define the legacy system for your business in your company? And I think uh, as a, a tech manager or you know uh, engineer team uh, team member, so when you talk to your business, maybe you have a different definition about you know what is legacy system. You're saying, oh, there's a legacy system. It's better to get rid of it. It's better to you know do the same thing, make it better by using uh, the modern technologies. But when you talk to the business people, they may disagree because you know uh, they're like, hey, this wrong mostly, no problem. And how can you guarantee if you get a new system, replace the old one, you you, you it's going to generate like business value or not? So I think. Um, we need to find a kind of shared definition between business people and also like technology people. What is like legacy system for us? And in the meantime, when you find when you get the definition, that it will be easier for you to identify uh, whether this stuff system it might be legacy. If you identify you have this stuff, if you if you if you don't have any, that'd be great. But in most cases, you will find you know you have more than one system that might be uh, legacy, and what would be your strategy you know uh, to to do it one by one, and also that uh, what would be the, the process you find the legacy, and what would be the new one as a replacement, and how can you verify or prove that your new system is going to be better. Uh, than the older one, and it will not. For example, um, what would be the budget will be required, and how how long it would take for you to build a system, and you will need to also guarantee your new system when you build it, long it's older to production, even not become a new legacy. Yeah, I think the definition, a shared definition between business and our technology would be really important, and also as an engineer team or technology team, you should share a details plan. What will be your process to identify and building a new one, rather than new one, and then decommission the legacy one? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, John. Um, that's that's some great points there. And um, us, what's your thoughts? Yeah, um, I think. Okay, sorry. Oh, sorry. So on on identifying the legacy systems. Um, yeah, I. I th- I think um, in in terms of identifying the for me anyway the um, legacy systems um, are generally products or platforms that you've built over time that people uh, no longer have um, uh, the same amount of engagement with um, that causes uh, that can cause be a, a source of um, of problems, um, but. You know, to become a legacy system, you you probably have gone through a lot of these incremental changes that get baked into the platform that has inherent knowledge in in that platform. Um, and even even um, when you think about um, what you do with these systems, um, there's a lot of danger in in um, in taking the uh, leaping to a conclusion that these that um, they should be replaced. Um, so. Um, I think the 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 key um, you know the key consideration of of any um, legacy system uh, is is where where does does it give the right value for the business um, and really um, if it doesn't then um, what can you do with that legacy system um, to to align with the business goals so a lot of times we don't actually end up aligning business goals to a legacy system um, and just jump to the conclusion we should rewrite this um, so um, yeah the legacy systems generally um, lack um, thorough understanding um, people don't work on this as often anymore um, and sort of may start to suffer from bit rot um, and um, and don't really meet a lot of the modern development standards now um, not always the case. Um, there's plenty of businesses that, that also have um, 
have legacy um, systems that are built in in modern tooling as well. Um, so um, the, it's not a one size fits all for identifying legacy systems. Awesome. Cheers, us. Um, Mike, yourself? Yeah, um, I think it's important to realize that just because something's old doesn't mean it's legacy. Like it can be old and, and still entirely fit for purpose. But also the way you get to be a legacy system is that it's old, but it's been in use for that time. If it's something that we put in 20 years ago and no one used and now it's it's just sitting in the corner, it's, you know, it's, it's just a bit of digital junk. But if it's actually a system which has been in constant use all that time and now it's reaching a point where it's a problem for the business, that's when it becomes a legacy system that we need to think about. And as uh, I think was Oz said, there's a lot of embedded knowledge in that system. It's been updated, it's been changed. You've got people who've come in and worked on it who know all the, the tweaks about how it works. Um, the initial coders made mistakes and those were fixed in bug fixes and patches over the years. Business needs changed, so it's been adapted for processes that happened five years ago, two years ago, and now. And all of that to take it at once and rebuild it into a new system and get it 100% perfect, it's that's a that's a big ask, right? That's a, a lot of that. That's a dangerous thing to just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah we can do that. So it needs to be treated carefully. The other thing um, to consider, and as I, I think both Sean and I said, is what's the business value of it? Is this one of those bits of software which is supporting the whole business and has done over the last however many years? And if you just take it out and replace it with something which isn't going to do the job perfectly, the whole business is going to crumble. So there's a there's a lot to consider before you go replacing that that thing. But I, uh, back to Sean's original question, how do you identify which ones these are? There's also other changes that are happening. Like it might not perform anymore. It might have been built for data sizes 10 years ago and now it's dealing with gigabytes of data on a daily basis and it just can't handle it. Um, or it might not be secure for the modern world. Um, we once had a customer who did all their reporting in Crystal Reports. So there was a Windows 2000 box over in the corner that never got turned on unless someone needed to work on Crystal Reports. And that was that's the Crystal Reports box for that one customer. <laughs> and not nothing against Crystal Reports, but by the way. <laughs> um, it's, it's a fabulous tool. But the only way we could edit it was with that one thing that needed that one machine. And then so we had a Windows 2000 box in the office with all the security flaws that, that come with that as well. And, it, you know, all the special treatment, we needed someone who could administer that box, blah, blah, blah. And so the hardware becomes an issue as well. It doesn't maintain. That's something that's saying to me, this system is going to get harder and harder to maintain, yet it supports an important business goal. We need to make a plan to think about replacing that with something modern. And yeah, yeah that's, that's what I would say is the, the easiest way to identify one. Yeah, awesome. No, appreciate that, Mike. Um, and Joe, um, so to follow follow that, uh, what have you got to add? <laughs> yeah, um, it's very interesting, like around, uh, you know, uh, that, that there could be different ways to sort of like define legacy code from what I've like learned and sort of like um, seen as well. It, it's uh, a matter of like, um, also like you could argue that it's about like how you perceive, um, you know, uh, if 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 a system or a piece of like code or feature is um, legacy or not, and potentially like you could use um, you know cognitive load as as one of those like uh, factors to consider. This is usually one of the the cases that I hear about or like you and people classify legacy code as um, things um, or systems that that um, yeah, as also uh, also like said earlier are, are not actively maintained anymore. Like and. and Hence, like the symptom of or an effect of that is like, you know, you have your, your developers have a hard time, like just understanding, you know, this code. Obviously, all code is like inherently um, harder to read than to write. Um, but um, yeah, like, and then of course, like with that also comes with the cost of maintenance. So what, what I'm trying to say here is like, yeah, like there's the different ways to sort of like perceive like uh, legacy code. and. Um, right now, like the way I would sort of like define it, this there might even be like classes of like legacy code or like a spectrum that you can sort of like 
you know, from one, from one end, we must absolutely modernize or deprecate this ASAP to like the other one end is like, this is still okay. And, you know, we do need to sort of like revisit and sort of, sort of like see uh, certain points um, in, in our, our the year, whether or not like it can still be fit for a purpose. Because um, I would also adhere to the, the, the philosophy of like, you know, we need to consider what provides the business value. You, I, I don't think um, you modernize for the sake of like uh, cool and shiny tech. Um, and so uh, there are, maybe we could sort of like, you know, bleed into like the top like questions later on around what are our motivators, right? But for now, like in terms of like just defining um, legacy code, there's, I think like you can sort of like see, you know, signals or like heuristics around like, oh, what is legacy code? Is it older technology, lack of understanding, tightly coupled, no tests, not actively developed? I think they're all sort of like science as well. And you sort of like have to weigh that um uh with with what you're currently working with and and sort of like see with what part of that spectrum does it lie and how can you involve like the rest of the teams around you to, to sort of like um address it if it needs to be addressed yeah awesome cheers guys um so that that leads us on quite nicely to to us what um you, you wanted to ask us there was so why is it important that we upgrade or replace these legacy systems? You know, what's the benefits of doing so? And what are the pitfalls and the drawbacks of replacing a legacy system? Um, yeah. I was in, like to kick us off sure. there. Um, yeah, good, good question. Um, I think um, the, the main thing that, uh, for me, why you want to replace a legacy system um, is... Um, to bring up the practices and understanding and refresh that, um, uh, refresh the value that the product brings to the organization. Um, but that must really first align with, with the business goals. Uh, no, no point um, like, uh, in um, refreshing a product um, or, or a platform or system that you've built um, if A, works perfectly fine, um, or um, B, it, it adds no business value. But um, beyond um, beyond business value, um, there's there's a few uh, key aspects. Um, one, uh, security um, is is definitely one of those big ones where um, the the inherent flaws of a of a system um, may not be well understood. Um, the um, resourcing generally becomes an issue with with really old legacy systems. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, I don't, I can't remember the exact statistic of, of how many billion lines of COBOL code out there, but you know, the COBOL generation is is uh, is getting um, older, and and there's not that many people coming through wanting to learn both both um, on old platform and new and new platforms, so new systems, and so that 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 can really leave you in a in a bind. So even though, in potentially you've got this this technically um, capable platform um, in core banking systems. Uh, just the fact that you can't resource that um, that system anymore uh, to the people to look after that uh, system may be, may be a key driver for business to look to upgrade. Um, so that that expertise of, um, of people being able to um, uh, build an agile, agile system that we can uh, quickly get features on um, it gets gets degraded, um, so you you lose the time to market value um, because it's just just too old. Um, yeah, so the I suppose the last the last piece of why you take a uh, upgrade legacy system is um, is the business ambitions. Um, does it meet Does it meet um, your uh, growth plans? Um, having being tied back to a legacy system can become a, quite an anchor, um, even if you even if you were able to resource those um, those um, the maintenance of that platform. Um, you know, you're investing a lot of time and effort um, in potentially these old platforms. So, um, yeah, once you once you've identified it, the the key drivers to uh, to upgrading um, varied. Um, so uh, I think it's really got to come from a business, not just a technology perspective. Um, 
it's and it's probably more from from a, a business perspective than anything uh what value brings to the business sure no awesome and in terms of like the um the pitfalls and the drawbacks then um what would um, you say it would be <laughs> um the pitfalls and drawbacks wow yeah so i'm not sure if you there's there's a really good case study out on on the internet about um uh, about a government project um on on a cargo system um this is built back in uh back in the 70s and 80s uh, i suppose around 2005 6 they decided to replace um the cargo platform with a uh with a new j2ee um spec Know, internet-based uh, cargo platform. So um, that was that cost uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, it was a complete failure, um, and uh, and the the primary uh, there's actually a really good white paper on on uh, cargo, the culture of cargo, around why it failed. And and primarily it was, it was a big bang approach that uh, that drove that um, project to failure. Uh, they actually had to ro- revert back and run it in in parallel with their old platform and new platform. Um, so the the thing that I was talking about was like that inherent knowledge uh, that was part of uh, their old systems, very difficult to uh, to find again. Um, so the um, I think uh, you should never underestimate the uh, the the effort and time and care that's gone into a legacy system before you and um and i think this is one of the assumptions that uh that many um developers make is that i can do this better than the previous guy um <laughs> so and it, and it usually doesn't turn out well for them because there is a lot of love and care put into most most systems um most developers care about what they do uh so that's a very poor assumption to make yeah fair enough i mean i I myself have not heard of of that uh, that case study, but um, it's, it sounds like a, an awful amount of risk for what proved to be zero reward. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely something to think about. Um, Sean, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I think I agree with all the. You know, um, we always talk about you know when you try to upgrade your existing system, you always think about you know. It, that this you know process is going to bring any business value, and especially for many kind of companies, they are more business lead company. So if there's no business value, there's no upgrading, right? So you don't you will not get the budget. And I think in terms of business value, it's got two like long term business value. Like sometimes you know uh, the business want to uh, set like you know three or five five years like business goals and. You may have a system, even it's not legacy, but it's no longer able to support uh, the business goal. So in that time, you may have, you know, uh, you will need to work on a plan, try to upgrade your entire system or kind of uh, technology capability to make that happen to support business goals. And that one, I think, is not, it's like actively to find a legacy system and also replace it. It's not, you know, you don't want to do it or you don't have a plan to do it, but you will need to do it. And another one business value is like for short term. For short term is more like, you know, what I mentioned, you know, you do have a plan, but somehow if you don't deal with it, you don't improve it, the business may fail on something like, you know, like you guys mentioned, like a security. And you don't know, might be your system was built like 10 or 20 years ago. And right now we have, um, a more research kind of a security standard for systems, especially you know, you know, last year what happened for Optus, right? So, and maybe you know, ten years ago, the people does not pay enough attention to security, but right now, it, the story is completely different. So, it might be you will get uh, some uh, something from business. Yeah, this is a failure. Like what I get, you know, in my previous company after the scandal of Optus. So, you know, all the business don't want to repeat this failure and get the nail on the news, you know? So they say, hey, uh, we need to improve the security for our login process, you know, make it like a 2FA or multi-packager authentication as mandatory. So this is something, you know, is legacy, but, you know, we work for short-term business goals because business might be they don't have a plan. When they made the plan earlier this year, they don't have a plan. It's not part of a plan, but they have to do it. 
And I think um, the second aspect for this one is resource, right? Nexus system normally is old. They're not necessarily old, but normally they're old systems. And they may use, you know, the build in old tech, tech stack. And also, you know, the people who build it or maintain it might be left already. So that means normally the business will have, or the team will have a not good enough knowledge about it. So uh, that means, you know, it's a risk, right? So are you sure you understand everything? Are you sure when you try to replace it, you know the impact, potential impact risk you're going to bring to uh, the upstream client or the downstream dependency? Especially, you know, um, if the business kind of is a service provider, you know, you, you, your service might be used by multiple kinds of clients. And th this is going to make, you know, the whole process much, much more complicated. And also it makes the risks much higher. Yeah, but I think to to, to deal with like Lexi and also uh, get rid of it, it's also very important to build it uh, for, you know, engineering team leaders to build a team. Because, you know, uh, no one, there's no good engineers on the market that want, they like to work on a system, you know, the, the full of Lexi. And I think this by me for corporate or banking, you know, the, the banks, they're really hard to, they're not very attractive to engineers on the market. So uh, just because, you know, uh, good engineers to, to do want to work on some like modern standard, modern technologies, to don't want to spend time to deal with, you know, for example, if you ask like um, some young engineers, do you want to work on uh, like you know, J2EE? They will say no, right? So, yeah. And I think uh, if you, at least, you know, for existing team members, if you have a willing, you, you show a willing as a leader, you, you tell them, hey, we have like assistance, but we do have a plan to deal with it. And at least, you know, uh, you make everybody happy. Yeah, we spend a lot of the time every day to work on and deal with uh, next assistance, but we have a plan to make it better. And also it makes your team is more attractive uh, to, you know, the, the engineers in, on the market because, you know, at least in Sydney, you know, engineering team community is quite small. So if your existing team members are not happy just because, you know, uh, they need to work on existence like um, uh, every day. So to maybe quit and then to pass this message to, you know, the community. So I think no matter uh, for business value, long-term, short-term, and for maybe team roles or building team, I think it's really important. And also uh, like to find a good timing, make a good plan is also really important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. As you say, not only like uh, is it important for the business strategy, but from a retention point of view and and key and and a hiring point of view, when it comes to looking for uh, for growing the team, you know, you, you want something that's attractive to go out to market and um, to be able to tell your your future employees about you know what they're going to be doing and. Um, that's it you know there's a much smaller pool of candidates that are going to be interested in coming in and working on a legacy system than there is working on a greenfield um you know modern tech so that's it's um it's a, it's a great thing to to think about on on both sides of the um the spectrum there um mike what's your thoughts yeah so um obviously um the the number one uh motivator for upgrading something is when there is a hard deadline coming and something isn't going to work anymore the uh, the best example of that and i um it got a it's had a bad rap since but y2k was the the original one of those um storing years as two digits obviously when you got to the end of the 1900s that was going to be a problem and the engineers knew about that and went ahead and like my first job I started on like the 2nd of January 2000 and I saw in the code history every file Y2K checked, Y2K checked, Y2K checked and all the changes that were made to make sure that they'd gone through and done all that. Now, uh, when is it? 13th of January 2038 is the, the next one of those and there's a whole lot of legacy systems out there that are storing uh, dates in the, the old Unix format. Uh, which are going to be legacy systems come that day. And 
there's going to have to be a whole lot of engineers going through and checking all those things, making sure it's uh, the digital TV standard, I think, stores dates in that format. So there's, there's a, we're still making legacy systems and everything we build today is going to be a legacy system one day. So, yeah, like there's motivators like that, external deadlines. And the same is true of legislation coming in of um, I, you can't tell me that there won't be better, like more strict security standards coming along in, in the industry in the next few years based on what's gone on. There's going to be systems which, well, there's going to be penalties if you don't patch your old systems. There's going to be all sorts of things like that. So I, I think the external motivator can't be understated for the um, the, the upgrade replace thing. Uh, certainly, as Sean said, the um, the staff morale is is a big thing. Um, I know for a fact there's there's plenty of COBOL still out there that's sitting around. It's had wafers put in front of it so it can speak MQ and stuff like that, but it's still COBOL on the back end running on an IBM mainframe. And it's um, I've seen it in place at big name banks, and um, I'm sure that all of them have something floating away around there somewhere, which one day no one's going to be able to to update at all. And that's that's kind of frightening if, if something goes wrong, and that's the, the central customer information repository for, for your bank. Um, it's It's got to be fixed. And there's so much of that that's out there, which not is wrong at the moment, but carries risk with it. Um, which I, I think we'll get into a, a bit later on about talking to the business audience. But I, I think speaking the language of risk is a, an important way to, to manage that. Um, and then the pitfalls and, and drawbacks, um, I'd love to see that case study, Oz, if you can find the, the link to yeah, that one. Yeah, certainly. Um, um, sorry, did you want to jump in with something? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I mean, you know, as as what you're calling out about, you know, legislation or, or risks, etc. Um, and it's also, you know, um, the fact that the ecosystem around it um, disappears. You know, um, what happens when when your compiler vendor goes out of business because nobody's buying a COBOL compiler anymore? Can you even compile your code? Like, you know that, uh, you know that that support system just can evaporate around you while you're still sitting on a, on these old platforms, old systems. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's also true for the frameworks that we use. Mm. Um, we had a system once that was built on a, um, a Java to JavaScript compiler. So you'd, you'd write your, your web front end in, in Java code, not going to name names, um, but we built this front end in it. And then that large company that built that just said, nah, we're, we're not supporting that anymore. There's some community support for it now, but also all that code there is now legacy code that we can't, you know, it's not getting upgrades, it's not supporting the latest browsers, it's probably not HTML5 compliant even, I'm showing my age, but it's, um, yeah, like that sort of thing can come and, and vanish and then you're left with this system that you, you wonder, well, how are we going to support this now? How are we going to make changes to it? Which, you know, that's part of the course with coding that you're always managing the tech debt and upgrading to the latest systems. But that in itself is sort of what we're talking about here in a way. It's the small version of replacing a, a, a huge system. Awesome. Cheers, Mike. Um, Joe, what, what about yourself? What's your thoughts? Yeah, well, like just uh, love hearing all of the, the insights that they're coming from, like, like you know, Mike, Oz, and then Sean. And, you know, just, just on the last point, like, you know, when Mike uh, was talking about eventually, like, all, all these codes become, like, um, legacy at some point. Um, there's actually like a lens as well wherein we can sort of like think about all code that we commit is probably can be treated as legacy code, which is which could be a bit extreme. But like there's a, you know, under that lens, you could sort of like think about, you know, um, the lifetimes of your code as well and sort of like planning ahead and just because, again, like there's the risk management. There's there's no assurance um, that you know, the maintainers of, of these like frameworks that we use or, you know, these, these dependencies that, that uh, our, our platforms are using um, uh, would just um, hit their end of life or just lose funding if they're, they're a VC-backed, like, um, you know, uh, company or whatever. And uh, those are always like your, uh, probably like the back of our minds as engineers, like, well, um, well, we sort of like, it, it's, it's a sort of like a, a risk that we sort of evaluate um, 
every once in a while, just to just to make sure that you know uh, there, there's longevity in, in the systems that we build. So I do agree about all of these like motivators around you know security, compliance. Um, just, I think one of the most common things that I actually like see on on my end is like you know just um, end of life for um, different uh, versions of like software, whether it's a Node.js or Python. Or um, yeah, there's runtimes that that you know, especially like in in um, uh, cloud cloud uh, providers, they would give you emails and say, hey, um, at this like maybe next year we, you're you're not allowed to update your um, serverless functions anymore that are running in this like uh, runtime, so you have to like update it, which is good on their end because um, at least we get reminded of that, and it, it's sort of like that kind of that comes with with our uh, job as uh, software engineers, I guess. Um, uh, it's always like be um, modernizing in, in some sense, um, because that is uh, a motivator, like um, existential risk is a, a motivator, a huge motivator, as, as Mike mentioned, like if, if not the, the biggest one, uh, because your business won't won't actually, um, con- will continue <laughs> to run. Uh, but yeah, um, also like with scalability, just, just uh, you know, around that, again, around that idea of like, um, all code eventually becomes like legacy code or all code that commit is legacy code is perhaps it's more relevant around startups because startups tend to like move fast and, and just like, you know, make quick decisions. And part of those quick decisions is, um, you know, making that um, trade off and say, hey, let's just do it this way. But like, this is our way out afterwards, whether it's let's I've heard. You know, there are some companies that uh, use the third-party video encoding service for now, but then eventually, when it becomes like too costly for them, they should be, you know, ready to to sort of like move to doing it themselves. In the same manner that if you're using, I don't know, like um, third-party like logging systems that will cost you later on, then you should be prepared to sort of like um, self-host it yourself or, or on some point when it becomes, you know, when when the cost becomes too much. So. Um, yeah, and um, around like potential, uh, yeah, uh, risks was it? Um, and the, the the pitfalls or the drawbacks of replacing it. Right. So the the yeah pitfalls or drawbacks. Um, definitely agree with like what Oz mentioned around that um, case study. Um, one of the things that I, I tried to adhere to when it comes to, you know, modernizing systems with with, with teams is um, to do like. Uh, Proof of concepts and to sort of like do a breadth first, then like dive dive deep as well, um, and into like these like proof of concepts, but not not getting into like too deep of like the rabbit holes, but just making sure that are all of the stuff that um, we uh, we we want to support can can it be supported. Um, one of the other, just just one more point, I guess, on that is like sometimes when it's coming to modernizing legacy systems, it's also not trying to reach feature parity. I know Mike mentioned it's uh, earlier on, like it's a tall order. It's like a, a, a really hard task to ask of engineers to make it function the same way, the same, like like this old system. Like sometimes it's better for us not to search for like, or, or achieve feature parity, but actually reevaluate, do we really need to use this part? Or do we really need to migrate this this part of the system? Or can we just like do this part better or in a more modern way? Um, so that engineers can support it um, and maintain it better, and there's not much like knowledge gap. Um, so um, uh, I think Sean has a point. I uh, wanted to say something. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, thanks, Joe. So I think just I had additional comment uh, to you, Joe because Joe mentioned you know legacy uh, system or a debt or tech debt, you know, uh, for startups, and I think yeah. Especially for startups, is like because you know our business, the whole business are fragile. Like, so if you fail once, it fell. It's not like a big corporate. You know, you fail once, you can do it again. And you know, sometimes you know, especially for the early stage startup, you may purposely to you know create take that you want take that on design, just because you know uh, you know you want buy. By, by your team a little bit more time. For example, you want to do it, launch your product, MVP product uh, as quick as you can. So you may, and also normally for startups, in, in, in the early stage, you will not have a big customer size. So you will not pay too much attention. And sometimes 
you pay attention, but you choose to not do it to make your system be scalable. And yeah, but year over year, especially when you get good growth and especially you secure bar racing, and you will need, you will have to spend additional kind of engineer capacity uh, to deal with kind of this legacy on design. And, you know, a few years ago, when I was work for a US startup, uh, that startup have really been success, really successful and also acquired by um, a big tech company. So I was told by the CTO and also the co-founder, they say, hey, do you know in Silicon Valley, many startups that failed in the, in the third or fourth year. It's not because, you know, they did not have growth. They do have growth. Uh, they have really, really successful, you know, the first uh, couple of years. And normally they fail just one or two years after they secure a big uh, amount of uh, fundraising. But because, you know, uh, when you get fundraising, uh, your business grow, your customer size grow exponentially, your system is no longer able to support your business goals. And then you will need to allocate dedicated engineer resource to deal with the systems. And some companies that are not able to, even they have engineer capacity, but they fail to make it be extensible and also scalable. And, but even you make it good choice and also you make it, but this kind of thing, because you, you spend resource on something that not support your growth. It's not to deliver any kind of business value. It's just fix your system, make it be uh, sustainable for future growth. And then in that time, uh, your, there might be new startups work as a competitor. They may be catch up and you may not, no longer able to compete. So I think, you know, um, I just joined like, um, Hatch like nine, nine months ago. And in the past five years, I, I, I worked for Maurice actually like corporate. And, and before that, I spent six years in four startups and I get where we're special and a strong feeling, uh, in the last couple of months. We know that, you know, we, sometimes we take shortcuts a few years ago and we know we need to deal with this kind of the tech debt in one day uh, sooner than later, you know. But yeah, but sometimes you don't have that capacity. So you will need to figure out a way, uh, you know, to understand even you know how to get, get this exit uh, or tech debt one design be fixed. You need to find a way to uh, make a plan, like when, when do you want to do that? And when is the best time for you to do that? Uh, the best time you do it, it's good for business growth and also it's good for the team to support it. And, and also uh, you will need also to not make a plan, it's like make it sound standard or like a metrics. Like what happened, for example, if, uh, if you got like, if, if the number of kind of 500 or kind of a failure of your API is gross, like shockingly in the last four, like couple of days, it might be, it's kind of a strong signal. It's time for you to deal with it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I just want to add this additional comment uh, to George, you know, uh, opinion uh, for startups. I think today we have a couple of people from startup work for startup. I think it's really critical to deal with like mixing systems. Uh, even our system is not that old, it's probably two or three years old, but sometimes because, you know, we do take shortcuts to buy us a time for growth in the first two or uh, the first one, two years. So it might become a legacy. So, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I feel you may have already um, started to answer the next question a little bit there, Sean, um, <laughs> but that's, that's obviously all right. So um, obviously... Th- the, the next question we had to ask there was, you know, how we, how do you communicate to a business audience the risks and rewards and justify those costs of a legacy system upgrade and, and, and what methods are the, to measure the success at the end of the project? You know, does it come down to just the, the dollars saved or are the other ways? Um, Mike, I know that was something that you wanted to speak about as well. Um, but yeah, Sean, it sounded like you'd, um, you, you've, you've almost ticked the boxes there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so actually, you know, I have a couple of kind of the different experience, you know, to convince, you know, a business owner or business stakeholder uh, to support, you know, uh, which is time for us to deal with legacy systems. Um, you know, like in, in Hatch, as I said, you know, Hatch system, I think 
it's pretty you know extensible and also scalable and even we have uh, right now we have a really, really, really good kind of growth every month um it's still i think it's still worth strong kind of uh, can support you know the growth in the next like a couple of years but we still but we know that you know we do have some take that and you know i normally i keep um I have like a regular kind of a catch up with you know uh, the calendar, and we pay very close attention to the debt what we have, and we have the documentation to list all the like critical kind of debt, and also as I said you know uh, we even have all the kind of details, what would be the signal for each of the tech debt, uh, to remind us it's time now for us to deal with it, and by doing that I think. First of all, you know, it's make make it very, very clear to engineer team, uh, and also to everybody in engineer team, right? So you what tech that you have, and what is will be the risk, what is will be the impact if you don't deal with it, and what will be the time, uh, what will be the trigger for you to start to work on it, and in the meantime, you 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 can share the details to business owner or to business stakeholder, so and give them clear kinds of uh. uh uh, kind of uh, information, so let them understand. Okay, at least I have some time. For example, if I don't have the, you know, kind of a budget to support the engineering team to do innovation or get the next uh, system be replaced. So to be exactly no, um, have if I don't do that in the upcoming like a half year, it still will be fine. And also we can share what will be the risk if you don't do it. In, for example, in the upcoming half year, and what would be the risk if you don't do it in the upcoming like one year? And I think if you have these details, I think if if that is really urgent, something you really really need to take action on. So you tell the risk, you raise the risk, you severe the risk to the business stakeholders. They will understand it. Normally, if you know, if you prepare all the details, so normally they will do not say no. I uh, do ask you how can we support you, and and yeah, I think by doing this, you know, it's really good, uh, really helpful for engineering lead to understand what is risk, and also for team members to understand what the details of the debt or the potential risk. And in the meantime, it's also good for you to have all details ready when you talk to business stakeholders, and to ask them to support you uh, to take action. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Now, cheers, Sean. Uh, Mike, over to yourself. Uh, yeah. Um, so it it's very different communicating with business audiences depending on whether you're in a tech company or a non-tech company. That That's what I've learned with, with this role. Um, having, having worked through software development companies a lot, it's easy to go to the, the senior members of them and say, we've got this technical problem, the... The database, like our business logic, is in embedded in X query in the database, and no one can program it. I can say that I could say that to my boss at, at a previous place, and he'd understand what we were talking about. To go into a um, a business company, and nothing against my um, my business owners at, at Altex, they're they're very good with finance, but it's it's a different, it's a very different conversation that you have to describe technical debt in in that sort of situation. It's talking about, okay, what's the risk to the business in the event of a failure? Well, we can't carry out these processes and we can't we can't fund this part of the business or we can't we, we won't have this information if the auditors come. That it's it's much more about what are the on flow effects to the business rather than just having that that plain technical information. Where it is just a purely technical conversation, I like to use a house analogy a lot. Like if we, we work in the real estate market. So, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, we built the foundation, but now the plumbing's leaking or or whatever it is that's required at the time. Yeah. Uh, the, the analogy doesn't always stack up, but I, I think it helps. <laughs> um, the rewards, obviously, um, that's easier. Like, if depending on what the problem is, if you can't scale, then we can say, all right, well, we're limited to this much, but if we can replace this with a better one, then we can grow to 10 times over whatever year without needing to invest more in it or or that sort of thing. As for measuring success, uh, well, I, I throw this one out to the room because I, I find it I find it difficult to 
measure the return on investment accurately on, on software. And I think it's a, a problem across software in general that we, we struggle with. Um, obviously, if there's something I can point to and say, well, this person used to spend X amount of their, their week working on this one thing because this software didn't support it properly, and we built a new system, so now their time's freed up to do something else and we don't need to hire another resource to support them or something like that, that's a, a very clear cost saving that you can point to. Same as if there's uh, a reduction in support tickets because this uh, we, we managed to throw out that old bit of hardware that was always breaking or, or whatever. Um, but as for the un- other benefits you, you can get from it, yes, there, there might be regulatory or... Um, business growth type parameters but how do you point to it and say that bit of software that did that that's that's the bit where i struggle with so i i throw that out to the room to to see what your collective wisdom is yeah absolutely so uh joe have you got um uh, any pointers or any ideas as to yeah yeah um on my end i think well uh first i guess around well i'll i'll answer i guess uh the immediate one which is like what what are the other like ways that we could sort of like measure success? I think the primary one is um, at least something that is um, that would everyone in the business, regardless if they're technical or not, would acknowledge is like, what well, does it bring value to your customer? Like, did it help like bring value to your customer? So um, in that sense, if we can sort of like re- relate um, any of like these um, modernization efforts or engineering efforts um, to uh, product releases that we've done. Or achieved faster or like made better um that is that is one of like those ways that we can sort of like celebrate at least that i've seen um celebrate celebrate those like wins um i think um mike also mentioned something around like um uh you know it doesn't have to be like uh around like regulatory stuff like what i remembered was like okay there are certain systems wherein it did it required a bit of like engineering spend Say, for instance, you needed a way to sort of like achieve a certain like um, uh, compliance uh, certification, say SOC 2 type 2. Um, And you were able to like achieve that because you um, availed of, let's say, third party software that helps you do it like um, faster and frees up like your other engineers to besides like having to fill up like forms manually. and it hits two birds with one stone because now it opens more doors for like clients to actually like it makes procurement easier for you. So um, uh, that's another like way to sort of like celebrate uh, the wins there with uh, or sort of like acknowledge that modernizing your tool set or your tech stack um, sort of like um, yields you benefits, I guess. Um, incident rates, again, that's that's another thing around uh uh, an, another like metric that you could sort of like look into to sort of um, point to, hey, like we've we've done a better job here. Customer satisfaction. I've seen this like in my previous um, experiences as well. Whether you're measuring it through like some metric called uh, there's different metrics. I think NPS or CSAT or whatever. Um, <clears throat> um, yeah. Well, I guess more for the product side, it's also about right like the lifetime value of your customers if they're sticking with you, right, and they're not churning. I guess that's another another because like our job our main job as engineers is keep the <laughs> keep the the platform running right and and running as as fluidly as possible product helps us like innovate with you know um these the these features that customers are delighted and and, and love to to use yeah um but yeah like um on 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 the more engineering front I guess if you're talking about like other things like that we celebrate as as engineers I guess or like more on the technical side like. One of the the things that we look into is also just around like heuristics around like how healthy are we as an engineering team. Like usually there's these like metrics that we can use um, uh, to help us like address things and not not so much just like uh, to point fingers. Like there's this uh, probably like you guys have uh, are all aware of like the Dora metrics, for instance. Like just being able to like release more frequently as a team, able to respond to like incidents faster. And, um, you know, just being able to also like um, uh, roll back faster if you have to roll back faster. So, yeah. Um, yeah, those are uh, my insights there. Maybe uh, I'll pass it to Oz. Um, yeah, so, and, and just the, the scope of 
of measures for what is um, that you've brought up just on from your point of view um, is it's quite broad. It's not just one thing, not two things. I mean, you must have listed uh, 10 different um, reasons of um, how ways to measure success. And so um, it's not, um, to me, it's not a, um, a single uh, measure that can say, well, this upgrading a legacy uh, project or legacy product resulted in success. It's you can measure in in many different ways, and like I said, you know, door is just a, a way of you know measuring um, maybe productivity or customer or engagement. Um, and so um, there's there's very there's a lot of different ways to to define what success is, and it's really up to each business to uh, to work out what the right metric for them is, and and. Um, and the reasons that you would use to upgrade a legacy system. Uh, it's always going to be varied. Um, what, um, but one of the key um, things I think that Michael, uh, you brought up was uh, was the risk of a legacy, legacy system um, and that being a key driver for upgrading it. And so um, when, you, when you talk about risk, you say there's, there's two key aspects to it. Um, what is the and this is applies not just to product or um, it, it applies to business or uh, cyber risk or um, any other, uh, you know, any area really. There's two uh, aspects. One is the impact and the other is the likelihood um, defines risk. So if um, if something did go wrong with a product, um, what would be the impact? So it could be that the business goes, goes under because... Um, you know, uh, your platform isn't available for a day or two, but the likelihood of that may be extremely low or, you know, close to zero. So even if that um, it, the impact is high, the likelihood uh, being low would, would reduce that as a, uh, as a trivial risk. So, um, yeah, for upgrading legacy systems, um, yeah, those two, those two things, um, risk uh, and what the success metric should be. Um, I think really well defines well uh, when you should um, upgrade a um, and a legacy system. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Sean, did you have something to, to add there, or was that covered? Yeah, I think I have a bit of covered about this. All good. No, no worries. All good. So, um, lastly, look that. There's, there's some very great, uh, very good points there, and um, one thing I, I did want to um, mention there, Joe, you, you mentioned about how um, it's it's also about the the customer satisfaction as well as to whether you know there's, there's customers still using the platform or if you're losing customers from it, and I think that's a great uh, spotlight on a lot of the time you could very easily get bogged down on the costs of the the platform and the um, the technical side and and really. You know, a lot of the time you've got to look bigger picture at is it really practical as and doing what you need it to do. Um, so I really like that point. And um, we may have also covered this this last question as well a little bit. But um, in in everyone's experiences so far, you know, have you had like what have been your top motivators or levers for modernising your stacks? You know, has it come down to the cost optimization, service limitation, security? You know, what's it been? Has there been anything that's really stood out to you in your past that's been that motivator? Um, Joe, if if you'd like to, I know you wanted to to hear about that. Was there anything that you've had that stood out? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess we sort of like touched on this like topic as well earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's more of like a survey. I just wanted to like get a feel of, um, you know, uh, across across the room, like what a, what has been like the top motivator for like different companies. Like I, I know like a, um, a bunch of us here have like worked for different like startups or like even um, like bigger corporations. And I was very curious around um, around that area. And maybe since we've sort of like touched on this, uh, uh, one, one follow-up I have there is like, um, yeah, just around like how do you sort of um, uh, address like those those um, uh, motivations, right? So, um, how how can you sort of like um, build? So, I don't know if you if if you guys think about ways of uh, for teams to actually um, be able to address those within a reasonable amount of time or something. So I just wanted to sort of like gauge gauge um, everyone's idea there. On my end, I guess like 
what I've seen, as I mentioned uh, earlier, the, what's, what's more common on my end is like, um, like uh, the end of life of uh, certain like packages that we're using, since we tend to like use like more like uh, open source and managed like stuff. Um, I think like the stuff that I've been working on uh, recently is more around like the the uh, uh, web development area of uh, heavy Node.js or JavaScript and, and all that stuff. So um, there's a lot of like runtimes getting deprecated, um, of course, on the security side as well. Um, just making sure that uh, you address like critical issues flagged by um, you know, uh, the package managers auditing um, cost as well um, with, with with your cloud providers, like especially when you get like spikes of like traffic or uh, you realize that, oh, we haven't really optimized for this and it's now like really costing us. I, I tend to deal with that a lot on my end. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I'll open this to the room uh, to sort of uh, answer this um, uh, query. Hey, guys. Um, so my, my um, key motivators for um, picking a system for um, uh, especially a legacy system for rewrite or, or replatform or rebuild or improvement, um, two things I look at is, is maintainability and capability. Um, and so even, um, even whether, uh, if, even if it's an old platform, um, that's, that you can, uh, hop into and, and, and change, uh, maintain quite easily. Um, I wouldn't consider that for a, um, for a rewrite, um, and if you can extend the capability, again, not a motivate for a rewrite. But it's when you start, when the burden of, of maintenance um, and you know uh, growth and capability become uh, so high that it uh, you have diminishing returns on that product. That becomes um, a, a driver to say, well, um, maybe it's time now to look at um, improving that. Um, the maintenance effort of that product. So, um, yeah, those those are generally my my two key criteria. Can we maintain it? Uh, can we extend it and, and improve it um, easily enough? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Nice one, um, Mike. What about yourself? Um, it's funny. It's just I was just considering it then, and of the there's three times in in my career that I've been involved in a complete rewrite of an existing platform. And I think every time it's come down to licensing costs, okay. uh, which I, I wouldn't have suspected before. But my, my first job, we were on a, uh, a custom Unix uh, system running a, a brand name database, and we rewrote it to run in MySQL on Linux on Java. Um, there was questions then around ex extensibility with the vendor and making sure that we were able to bring in our own features as needed and not based on their time frame and resource availability. And there's other features there. But it, it is interesting how much the um, the licensing cost aspect is is a driver with um, with the uh, the rewriting of systems there. Yeah, excellent call out. Absolutely. I've, I've been involved in a few of those myself, so... And um, Joe, Sean, uh, just a quick one. Just uh, okay. I just remembered something. That was a great point, Mike. Um, yeah, like uh, I've been like it's it, even even like in the the web dev world, like I um, mean, infrastructure as code. Like just recently, I think Terraform changed its um, or even HashiCorp, like the entirety of like that that whole thing has changed their like license to BSL, and so um, now like. There's there's these things that you know people have to consider when it comes to like be, uh, begin keeping the dependent on them. So thankfully, because the community is there, people uh, just uh, support it, and you know, there's a fork of it already, just so that it, it can be supported. But yeah, like that's a good call out, um, Sean. Yeah, thanks, Job. So yeah, I think uh, I'm lucky enough to I had been work on migration or get rid of this, you know, rewrite a new system to uh, get like, the system replaced uh, by different type of motivation, like, you know, as you can mention, cost automation, and also um, make the system be more robust and also extensible. Uh, but the one motivation is really, really, you know, making myself feel 
I'm so achievable, like, you know, so excited. It's, it's more for simplify the business and the support the business to generate more business value. Like, give you a concrete example, like, you know, one project I was lead on is previously, you know, um, it's like a rewards program, right? So we have different, like, partners. We want to build a partnership with big, with business, like, really big name business. So in, in the past, uh, every time we onboard a business, a partner, you need to form a project. You need to probably spend half a year to one half year to partner as well. And after a couple of months, you know, after we work on two or three different partnerships, we just realized that, you know, we can automate, we simplify the whole onboarding process just based on the business model of the partners they have. And then we spend, we spend like six months and build a framework. It's making, you know, uh, to build onboarding the partners and build the partnership much easier. And by end of that day, you know, end of that business, uh, the, that project, I think the business stakeholder was really, really happy uh, because, you know, we simplified the onboarding process and also we make onboarding a partner from even just uh, from a project and spend a year to just a month. And I just remember that, you know, um, the last partner, I, my team was on board it. The session is ready. Everything is in production. Just before business sign the contract on the paper. And I think that's a really, really you know, I think the, the, the best motivation for me to work on kind of a migration project or uh, get rid of a legacy project or any kind of assisting improvement. Because does it support business growth, support business to generate business value uh, easier. And I think whenever you support business, make business value easier, the business can, you know, invest more in technology. It's kind of a really, really good cycle. Business invest more in technology. Technology just build more system, build better system to support business growth. Yeah. And I think that experience, I still, you know, I put on my resume and I think I, I feel excited, you know, uh, because, you know, uh, that project, you know, what that project achieved. Yeah. I think that is the best motivation I had in my past experience. Awesome. Yeah, no, look, great, uh, great points, guys. Um, you know, you, there's been some fantastic insights. Um, I've definitely learned um, some things there that I, I wasn't uh, aware of before and, and different ideas as to, to why we should be be moving um, legacy legacy platforms into to newer um into newer tech so really appreciate that and uh, i'm sure all the uh, the audience will uh, will benefit from that as well and i, I hope everyone's uh, had a had a great time um being here <laughs>